Hey guys, happy Monday. I'm so excited about this episode. Talia is so funny and I wanted to talk about the topic of talk. Wow, that's a mouthful. Toxic positivity for a while now. So um, yeah, I just, I think it's perfect, a perfect overlap. And um, I think you all will laugh a lot because Talia is so funny. Um, before we jump into the episode, I did want to give a quick plug to one of my sponsors, um, which is Talkspace. As you all know, Talkspace is the company that I work for, but also um, one of our longstanding sponsors. And it's very in line with the mental health theme of the podcast. Um, I know it's only February, but so far, at least for me, 2022 has been pretty difficult. Um, and I've leaned on my therapist a lot. And I just don't know what I would do without having someone to go speak with uh, during low points of my week and low points of my days. So uh, if you are interested in therapy or maybe, you know, you can't seem to find one covered by insurance, check out Talkspace and just give it a whirl and see if you like your therapist. You'll get $100 off your first month if you use my discount code. So I highly encourage it. It's really just, you know, a great way to see if therapy is right for you and I promise you it will be. Um, so you can just go to Talkspace.com and use my code Zoe, Z-O-E, at checkout for $100 off your first month. That's Talkspace, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com. And then use code Z-O-E at checkout for $100 off your first month. All right, now let's get to it. Here's the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Talia Lickstein, who is a content creator and just overall hilarious human being. I've been following her on TikTok for, I don't know, a long time now, and I'm so excited to be here with her virtually. So, Talia, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, So I'm so honored to be here. I love being on podcasts, especially yours. This is great. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so if you don't mind kind of just telling me a little bit more about yourself, like where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? Sure. So I am 23. Um, I was raised in Los Angeles and I was there until I went to college up in Northern California um, for four years when I was, yeah, so I just finished that in May. So I've literally been in California my entire life up until now. Um, and now I live in New York City. And I work as a, you know, internet personality, podcast host, and that's that's my story in short, the very short form story. Wow. I can't believe you just graduated college. That makes me feel so old, even though, like, I know I'm not old. It's just that it's wild to be, like, speaking with people who, you know what I mean? I, I just assume are, like, my age or older, and then they're, like, 23. Yeah. <laughs> I People who were born in like 2001 and I'm like, holy shit, you're way too young to be talking to me. But those people are what, like 21 now, 20? Yeah, they can probably probably drink. That's scary. They can probably drink. Yeah, no, it's terrifying. So I feel the exact same way. Anyone who's like a year younger than me, I'm like, whoa, you're so, so young. Yeah. <laughs> it literally only gets worse. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um. <laughs> I know. That's like my biggest thing, aging. I know so, the new wave is to be okay with aging, be cool with aging. But oh my God, it terrifies the shit out of me. Yeah, it's it's Not pretty right. wild when people, you know, start getting engaged and married. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure people probably know you from TikTok um, as an old millennial myself. I'm always just fascinated about how people, you know, like yourself just kind of like blow up for lack of a better word and get started on TikTok. And then, you know, all of a sudden are these like faces that we recognize, we see, we tune into, we laugh, we, we, we feel connected to. So I was wondering if you could kind of speak to, you know, what you were doing before you started creating videos and content and then kind of how you decided to even create that first video. Yeah, sure. So when I was in, I've always like had this sort of a spirit for entertaining. I always thought that I would wind up doing something in this realm, but I had no idea what exactly that would be. Of course, when I was in middle school, it was like, I'll be in, on Broadway. And then I got into high school and I started thinking, okay, I like writing, I like journalism. I like creative writing, writing scripts I liked. And then I went to college that felt very, um, I went to a school that was very STEM and finance uh, heavy. Everyone was very, it was very traditional. It's sort of, I felt a pressure to have more of what would be considered an acceptable job, yeah. quote unquote, that community. So I started getting interested in broadcast news. It sort of felt like a way to, um, I don't know, like make, legitimize my dream was to like put it into news instead of comedy. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to be, I was, I was working for the student newspaper and I was doing this student TV station and like doing these man on the street videos about, you know, who's going to the big game and what's going on with the new, the chancellor's new decisions. Like that was the videos that I was making. But I realized like I couldn't stop being like myself in those videos and a news anchor has to kind of take themselves away and Mm -hmm. be put on this voice and be this like sort of a blank slate to communicate the news a vessel you know what I mean um and I I just couldn't do it like I couldn't stop being um I wanted to like ask funnier questions I wanted to chat you know on camera I didn't want to just like ask the question I wanted to get into a conversation so that's sort of when I decided like okay I need to go back to my initial idea and just accept the fact that I want to go into performing entertainment comedy I can't try and make this some like acceptable things from traditional thing so I graduate college and I I've made a couple TikTok videos at this point, just like for fun, as anyone did in the quarantine. Yeah. Like we all sort of became little TikTokers for a little bit. And I think everybody had like one video that got a couple thousand likes or something. Like we all, you know what I mean? We were all doing this as like a fun little yeah. thing. It became an Instagram. But I want to say like the first week of June, 2021, I started really like making them consistently. Like I just started talking as myself with no particular theme. Um, and I made like one a day for like a week. And then after two weeks, one of them blew up like crazy. Like it went to like 2.8 million likes or something. Wow. And it was like, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was unbelievable. I remember getting in the car, going over to my cousin's house. And when I got in the car, I had like 7,000 followers, which at the time was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And I got out of the car at her house 15 minutes later. And I was at like 11 K like That's it was unbelievable wild. how quickly it was moving. So I, it really did happen like overnight, but it was a big build up to like getting to this idea, like accepting the fact that this is what I wanted to do. But a lot of people think like, oh, you fell into this. And it's, it took many, many years to like get to become comfortable with the idea that like, I'm going to pursue this full time and not be embarrassed to pursue it full time. And, and just like start telling people, speaking it into existence, 
rather than lying and saying, oh, I want to be like a Anderson Cooper or yeah. I want to be a Christiana Monpour. Like I, I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so yeah. interesting. And it's like perfect timing almost because when I was a senior in college, like TikTok didn't exist, you know? And so I'm sure a lot of people who maybe felt similarly to you of like, I have this passion for, you know, comedy or just like being creative, being myself, but will that get me a job? Like, I don't know. And then kind of going down the corporate rabbit hole and then having a, you know, quarter life, midlife crisis of like, I never wanted to do this. Whereas it almost was like serendipitous how, I mean, for, for better and for for worse in terms of, you know, why TikTok blew up a lot to do with the global pandemic that's hit our world. Um, but, you know, that you were then able to see other people having success with it and then and then just go after it. Oh, totally. It was so encouraging to see other people my age. Because at the same time, as we were talking before we even begin recording, there's a connotation to TikTok and saying that you blew up on TikTok or that you're a TikToker. People tend to assume like, oh, she's doing the Addison Ray thing. She's dancing mm. or like maybe like a video. It's They don't really think like this person is coming up with like comedy bits. Like this yeah. isn't like stand up. You know what I mean? It's not really respected in that way. And I was in that camp. Like I heard TikTok and was like, TikTok, no. Like I'll, if I do video, if I want to do this whole um, anything like – to take me in the stand-up route or the comedy route, I'm going to start doing YouTube. I'm going to start doing stand-up comedy. I'm not going to do TikTok. That's for like kids, you know? And it took a while to be convinced that like, I need to accept that this is the future. And this is like a huge, huge window of opportunity for people like me and like us who want to do like media and entertainment. Like I suggest to everyone I know who wants to go into comedy, who wants to go into even journalism, even the stuff that I was talking about before, TikTok is a great place to start yeah. building a platform. You can literally do any category under the sun, it, whether it's like the dancing videos and the makeup videos or doing like news reports or true crime reports or talking about art or history or doing comedy bits. Like this is, you need to start on TikTok. It is the best possible way. And we're so lucky. I feel so grateful that this came into my life. Like I can't believe I get to be coming of age in an era where it's extremely easier to go viral. Yeah. Um, that has like, it's, you know, ups and downs, but I, I thank God that like, I didn't have to do the traditional New York comedy route, like, which I, you know, I'd like to get into and a lot of people are still doing, which is great, but like, that's a, a lot harder way to gain notoriety. And yeah. I, I feel like I got in, cocked out on that one and got really lucky. Yeah. And like more expensive too. I mean, Mm -hmm. just thinking about, you know, the traditional quote unquote route of like going about this, getting immediately getting an agent and, and trying to work your way up. Whereas it TikTok really has enabled creators to take the leads and like control yeah. what they want to put out there and not have to like give someone else any money to or like have someone else profit off of your own creativity. Right. right it took me a very long time to even accept that I needed help with this because it was kind of, it wasn't necessarily easy to do on my own, but it just felt like I should be doing it on my own because I have the opportunity to. There's also the creator fund, which is, you know, the, it could always use tweaking and the ways that TikTok supports its creators, I think could always use tweaking. But the fact that they established this fund just shows that they're taking initiative in ways that like 
apps like YouTube and Vine didn't do. Mm-hmm. These apps were making people viral, making people famous and giving them a platform, but they weren't making any effort to keep them on that app to support them in monetizing their platform, which is something that if you're going to be making content full time, eventually, if these people get big enough, they quit their full time jobs and they start doing this full time. They need to support themselves in order to keep making the content and keep these apps alive. And I think that's why things like Vine or even YouTube kind of like died out in comparison to TikTok, because TikTok actually like they're giving us it's allowed to post ads. You're allowed to profit off of the views if you opt into it. You're allowed to like make this a career, which I think is like a lot of other apps should like tag on to that. I think it's so great. Um, Again, there should be more money in the creator fund. There's a lot of issues with it. But like, I think that that was a step towards like legitimizing this as a career path for young people. Yeah. It's money to do it. I didn't even know that that existed. That's that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You didn't know the creator fund? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's great. I mean, look, it, it kind of depends. There's a couple million dollars in there, which compared to like the amount of people on TikTok and the amount of money that they're making is like pennies, like yeah. it's nothing. But it basically is a way for people to profit off of their videos when they go extremely viral. Because when things do go viral on TikTok, I don't know what it has to do with the guidelines or whatever, but when you sign up, you can opt in and naturally you kind of do, it's like a default that you opt into people being able to share the videos mm-hmm. and- platforms and a lot of times what will happen is they get shared to other platforms and these people are providing entertainment for these meme pages and radio shows like I'll hear that my TikTok got posted on the radio nobody told me about that somebody played it on the like and when that happens it's sort of a slap in the face because you literally made no money from the amount of traffic that's being driven to your account which is a lot of times more than like the amount of people who watch the daily show every night yeah you know what I mean so these like places are making they're ma- making money from ad revenue off of your face and you're not getting anything. Um, so the creator fund is sort of a way that every time there's traffic on your account, every time you get views, you get cents per view, probably fractions of a cent per view. But if that's getting to the millions, you're making probably like a thousand or two thousand dollars a month if you're posting consistently, which is like, you know, if you're like a 17 year old kid who's like trying to build this platform and making a video every day and going viral, it's good money. Yeah. And I think it's great. Like, I, I really like that they're doing that. I think that there should be more. But um, I think that that was like a gesture saying that they support the creators. Yeah. You know? No, that's awesome. And it's cool to know that. And it makes sense as to, you know, why it's the I'd say probably the preferred method, at least like for people getting started or people like transferring over from Instagram and right. things like that. Right. So when you started creating videos, like, did you have a certain like niche angle that you were going about? Was there like, did you know you wanted to kind of consistently make videos of like, for example, like things you don't like? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I like, I thought it was a funny idea when I came up with the idea to like talk about things I didn't like, but I never saw it becoming my thing. I didn't start making I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to get viral and this is going to be my thing that I'm viral for. And I'm going to start a trend on TikTok. Like it boggled the mind when people started making their own things. I hate videos and tagging me. Cause I was like, I don't own the concept of hating. I didn't start it. Please. I'm, I'm just a Jewish girl. Like this is just what we do. Like I, I couldn't believe that. Like, but I love it when people do tag me now. And 
at this point, I do think that I, I take some credit for this like trend on TikTok. But before that, saying things that you hate or like getting on YouTube and listing things that bothered you, I'm sure there were a ton of other people doing that before me. And I don't take any credit for starting that. It's a, it's very much a Jewish comedian thing too. But I just thought I'd be myself. And that was how I was going to be myself was like, it just was really easy for me to say funny things in that format. When I was listing things, yeah. I just found that it's like, this is a really great logistically, like it takes about a minute and a half, which is like a good watch time. I'm going to keep it short, list five things in a video or whatever. And it'll, it's, it just gives me enough time to like say a funny thing without having to come up with a new concept every single time. And then it opens up a window for me to talk about other things and going on to tangents. Yeah. And then people asking me, how do you feel about this? And that becomes my thing now is like, I want people to not come to me because they want to hear what I hate, but I want them to like, see me as a example of like having opinions, the normalization of sharing an opinion, which I think my generation has kind of lost. I don't, you'll know this, like on yeah. the internet, we just like, people get so mad about me saying that I don't like a type of clothing or a TV show. And I think we're forgetting that like, you're allowed to say that you don't like things and you don't necessarily have to have a reason every single time. You just, you are you and I am me and what you don't like doesn't affect me. People tend to forget that. So I didn't realize it was going to become my thing until after I started doing it, but I don't want my thing to be just things I hate. I want it to be like more have an opinion, say it, disagree with me. That's that I would like for that to be my legacy on the app. Yeah, no, I think you hit on so many points that I think are just so important. Like for one thing, you're so smart and having that, like, I don't want to say strategy, but as you said, you know, like you can list five things and then say, comment below like what things you don't like and kind of engage your audience or if one of those things is quote-unquote controversial have another video expanding on you know why and I think it is an important message to to share your opinion sounds so ridiculous and like it's important to share your opinions but it is it's it's so ridiculous to say like "Ah, I, I have an opinion and I find myself defining the word opinion every single day for people on this app you know that's wild and it's also like I mean I, I feel like, and I don't know if there's stats on this, but like if it were a man saying his opinions about things, would we, would, would there be such an uproar kind of doubt it? Like there are men who do kind of similar to what I do. Like they'll make, uh, there are a couple, I don't actually know a lot of their names, but I see them on people tag me in their videos all the time and say, you guys should be friends or whatever. Um, and they're, what they're doing is great too. These guys will say like, here's stuff that should be illegal. They're like, yeah. here's stuff that annoys me, which again is like, I don't think anybody's stealing my trend when they do that. It's just, you're a human being. You should just like hate things and say it, but the guys do it. And people think it's like literally revolutionary. Like they think it's, so fucking funny and even the people who don't agree with what they say they'll be like bro you got me you roasted me like that's the reaction that I'm going for whereas when I do it especially men if I am talking to a a male thing that I dislike they'll say who gave you the right to say blah 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 blah." like okay why why are you attacking me like I'm allowed to do whatever I want I'm like yeah okay why do you get the point when it's a guy like you're allowed to laugh at yourself when a guy makes the joke but um, we'll get really I also get a lot of comments from older women who are like, you know, why are you so negative? Negative Nancy smile. You know what I mean? It's the equivalent to some guy on the street telling you to smile a little bit. That's the feeling I get inside of like, who are you to tell me whether I'm happy? Who are you to tell me to smile or whether I'm depressed? People try all the time to diagnose me with depression. I don't, 
I don't think that if I were a guy, people would have anything to say other than like, yeah, speak your truth. Like it's, I, because I'm a woman and I'm like, I kind of get on here and I'm angry. People are like, you're so sad. Let it out. Like you're so, you need to go to therapy. It's like, oh, okay. I don't, wasn't asking for a diagnosis, but you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like that literally leads me to my next kind of point. Um, First off, do, do you watch Euphoria? I do. I do. Okay. So and have you been watching this season? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to quickly talk about like one of my favorite se- uh, scenes from this recent season where I already know which one you're going to talk about. Where Kat is uh, Mm – yep, and she's, like, realizing that she's unhappy with her relationship because she's unhappy with herself. And then all these, like, people who are supposed to be influencers start talking to her about, like, self-love and, and, like, it's okay, everything's going to be fine. And it was just, like, the perfect way to show just, like, how toxic positivity can be – is, is like seeped into our culture and like all the media we consume. And, you know, as someone who has struggled with my own mental health and spent the better part of the last several years scrolling through TikTok and Instagram, like I too have seen that toxic positivity and it's almost always geared towards young women and young girls as opposed to, you don't see that like, Met, met, like when people aren't commenting on those men's male videos of things they don't like being like it's okay like just say an affirmation or like love yourself like no it's only only to women so I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on that and how you're kind of like going like like not going against it you're not like no people can't love themselves but you're just showing a different side of what it's like just to be a human being (laughs) yeah well thank you for saying that that's that's like the whole goal of my account is just like I don't know I want to see more people just being normal people and letting each other like have sad moments and like live life the way that I think it's supposed to be lived as a human being which is like not just glazing over everything with like a fake happy attitude um no I made a video about this a couple months ago that was controversial but got a lot of um you know I think it like gave it articulated a problem that I think a lot of young girls have a hard time articulating. And that's why I thought that the scene in euphoria was also really poignant. I thought that that was beautifully done. And I'm not always the biggest euphoria fan, by the way, I don't love the writing in that show. This was probably my favorite scene of the season. I thought it was beautifully, beautifully articulated. Um, I made this video about how every time that somebody has told me to just love myself and that I don't need to change myself and that all my desires for when I was younger, you know, I wanted to lose 10 pounds when I was at summer camp. And then the girl next to me said, no, you don't have to do that. Or, you know, I I've always wanted to get lip injections or maybe like change my nose a little bit when I'm older or get a breast reduction. And everyone I've ever said that out loud to the people who respond with like, no, you don't need to just love yourself. Like you are who you are and you're beautiful. Just trust me. You're beautiful. Those women have all been very skinny, very conventionally beautiful Mm -hmm. in the eyes of beauty standards just like look like they could work at Brandy Melville. Like these are the people that are telling me to love myself. And that includes celebrities, celebrities who spend a lot of time and money that money that like we will never have. Like these are people with like the ability to change their bodies in such ways that like you could never in a million years like pay for this. Most of these people, you know? Um, And these are the people 
who are telling us to simply accept ourselves and love ourselves the way that we are when God forbid, when they're photographed looking not their best, they have to like post pictures in the gym every day for two weeks. And they have to then post another photo where they look great to like counteract that photo. Like look at what happened with Khloe Kardashian. Yeah, delete the video picture. Yeah, posted that photo of her. And then all of a sudden it was a two week campaign about how Chloe is actually beautiful. Don't worry, she's really skinny. You just saw a bad angle. But oh, on the, at the same time, you don't have to change yourself. You can love yourself. Mm-hmm. I just let me, you know, I'm, I'm going to become the best version of myself with the millions of dollars that I have and the five personal trainers that I have and the dietitians that I have. But you, you don't change yourself because you're beautiful. That has always bothered me so much and it took me a long like many many years to learn how to articulate that because i used to like hear the the i'd I'd be scrolling on tumblr before there was tiktok and instagram we had tumblr and i was you know 2011 i'm scrolling on tumblr and all i see are these motivational quotes and just love yourself like sunshine like be you know you can always put a good spin on it when you remember the sun is shining and like just the glass is half full like it was just all this like saccharine sweet uh, this rhetoric of like, you have to just be happy with yourself and with the world. And that's it. And it used to bug me when I was like 12 and I didn't know why Yeah, I couldn't say like, I don't like when, when Beyonce tells me I'm pretty. Like I used to like say like really, really be annoyed when like a person like Beyonce who would say, Oh, you're beautiful. Just love yourself. And then she'd go and show in her documentary of her Coachella performance that she starved herself for two weeks before that performance but she's telling me in her songs I'm fine the way that I am like I I wish that we could be honest with each other I wish that we could just say you know I said in this video that I made that got a lot of heat I will never wake up in my life any morning and look in the mirror and say I love the way that my thighs look like I really do love them and they do what they're supposed to do they do their job they're healthy and therefore I love them no, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to get to that point. And if you do, that's great. Good for you. But I kind of don't buy it, but good for you. <laughs> I will never look in the mirror and say like, I think that my, my face is perfect the way that it is. I don't, but there are things that I do love about myself. I'll always look in the mirror and say, I'm so grateful. I have blue eyes. Or, I'm so grateful that I have like thick hair and I will never be grateful for the fact that like, I'm a heavy set woman. And that's like, fine. Like, I don't think that I need to love that. I'm also allowed to make the changes to my body that I want to make to make me feel confident. As long as I'm acknowledging, I think where those desires come from, like maybe I don't love this culture, this diet culture, or this plastic surgery culture that's become so prevalent. I think that a lot of it is rooted in misogyny. And a lot of it really does come down to wanting to look like what men want us to look like based on trends, which every 10 years they change. Um, so it's hard to keep up with, but as long as you're really like looking inward and deciding who am I doing this for? Is it, do I want lip injections so that more men will talk to me? Do I want to take acne medication to clear up my skin so that more men will be able to look me in the eye at the bar? Like, is that what I want it for? If you have to look inward and spend a couple years and get to an age where you're mature enough to make that decision. But once you've come to that decision, thinking, okay, if I get a nose job, I'm not doing it for anybody but myself. And this will truly propel me into my best life. Like this is going to make me feel so confident every day when I wake up in the morning, if I see a different nose, who am I to tell you that you don't need to change your nose? Who am I to tell you that you're beautiful without changing yourself? That is a person's choice to make. 
And usually the people that are going to try to convince you out of it are people that have never even considered changing their nose because they were born with a perfect um, Aryan, you know, one of those noses that they say is like, this is the perfect nose statistically on BuzzFeed, you know, like it's always those people who are going to tell you not to get a nose job. It just coincidentally, that's always what it is. And I just think that when you're listening to those people enough, you start to think that it's wrong to not like parts of yourself and you start feeling even more like you hate yourself more, just like what happened with Kat where not only does she now hate herself, but she thinks it's wrong to not like herself because she's got 10 million influencer voices telling her you should be loving yourself. I wish we could just say, it's okay that there are parts of yourself that you like and that you don't like. It's okay to vocalize that and eventually want to change it if you've given it enough thought. And you don't, you're not wrong for not liking those things. You're human, you know? Yeah. You're not wrong for being happy, not being happy all the time. You're human. No, it, that was just so well said and it's, and it's true. And I think it happens like now that I reflect on it, like at a young age, like when I was little in like middle school, God, thinking about that. And <laughs> like, I remember just always like kind of coming home and being like, mom, I'm, I'm so ugly. And she'd be like, you're not ugly. You're ethnic. And I was like, no, I'm pretty friggin' ugly. Like right now I like... <laughs> have like a huge gap and braces like didn't have any boobs like just like middle school like and do I get where she was coming from now yes but like it's 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 a it's a hard balance because on one hand what I would have preferred my mom to be like yeah you're pretty freaking scary looking like probably not but it's just like in our culture, we have, I feel like there's just two extremes of like, just the, the, you know, like you have to have this diet or do this to be, um, you know, where you want to be and be perfect. And on the other extreme, it's like the body positivity taken to an extreme. Whereas like, why can't we just focus on accepting who we are and, and doing what, and, and like, fixing the inner parts of ourselves that we may, you know, need to work on without having to hear from these outside voices that like, oh, it's fine. You're perfect. It's like being told, of, you know, that like if, if you are, you know, a, a tragedy occurs, it's like being told, well, um, just like get over it or like right. it's, it's. Oh, that's a great example. Great analogy. If someone were to die and somebody just said, how would you feel if somebody said, oh, it's okay, but there's so much happiness still in the world. Exactly. Like, okay. It doesn't change the fact that this person just died. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's really, that's a great example. Like, I just don't understand how people can think that it's okay to shout in your face. Okay. But love yourself. It's fine. There's so much happiness in the world. Oh, you're having a bad day, but look outside. The sun is shining. Like, that doesn't, everything is relative. I really do believe that pain is relative no matter where you are. I used to be bugged by, in, a, in elementary school, I used to hear all the time the kids thought it was funny to be like, well, there's people in Africa that are starving, which is like a problematic statement in itself now. But like, I it used to bug me when I would complain about something and somebody would say that. Because it's yeah. like, everything is relative. That does not fix my problem. The fact that there is greater sadness in the world than the the stuff that I'm living through. And also the fact that there is more happiness in the world that I'm not able to see right now. Being reminded of that doesn't change the fact that I need to process what's going on right now. When somebody dies, I need to sit in that grief and I need to be really pissed at the world for a long time so that in order to live my life better next, like when this is over, like you have to be sad. 
I have like a sorority little and she has this apartment, uh, this poster in her apartment that says sunshine all the time makes a desert. I remember like seeing that and being like, you're a fucking genius. Like you're so much smarter than me. You're my little and you're a genius. like, I love that so much. And it always stuck with me. And I always think of her when I, when I feel that way, because it's like, I have to be sad right now. I ha- in order to be happy, I must have sad times or else I'm like, a weird robot of a person. Like I'm not a person, Yeah, you know? I love that quote. Wow. That is so spot on. Oh my God. And I, I just love that. Like I associated it with this girl who's like, no, I'm supposed to be, it was the first time I ever went to her place and I'm supposed to be the elder, the bigger sister. And here she is. Like that is one of the most powerful quotes that I take with me through. Now I have a career sort of based around that quote. And I totally credit her with like, whenever I, whenever I say it in like an interview, I'm like, that was my little, cause she totally taught me that, but it's really, really important. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think one thing I've even, this doesn't happen as much as due to the, the people I bring on the podcast, but sometimes occasionally someone will say, you know, I, I try not to think about my own problems cause there's so much worse in the world, which yeah, facts. There is a lot worse in the world. Like as yeah. you said, literally there are children starving in Africa, but right. At the same time, if we don't take, if we don't take time and effort to acknowledge that bad things have happened in our own lives, and that it's okay to grieve those things, whether it's you know something as heavy as losing a loved one or as little as not getting the job you wanted, like you have to process those emotions because otherwise, and this is just like another quote, but like what you don't share or like share or in this case you know we let out like you store and then it's just gonna keep building up and building up and then one day you're just gonna fucking explode and right so it's like you might as well just get out in that moment be pissed about it regardless of what's happening externally it's relatively important to you it's relatively sad or makes you angry so own that shit and like then then move on (laughs) exactly Exactly. I think that's perfectly right. I hate the term. Um, people say, oh, like we're all sitting on a floating rock. Like, don't worry, earth. It's like nothing matters. Like we're all just on a floating rock. Like that's the same exact thing. Like I never can hear anybody say that to me again. I don't care that I don't, I don't care what our purpose on this life is. I don't care that we're all at the end of the day, going to die and we're on a floating rock. I still have to do the things I have to do. I still have my responsibilities and all the things that have happened to me on this earth that suck. I still have to process those things, even though I might just be in Horton Hears a Who sitting on a flower petal. Like, I don't care. It's still happening to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good so, one. That's yeah, true. I'm glad we agree on that. Front. <laughs> so I'm curious because part of the reason I started this podcast was to really talk about just my own, you know, transition into moving to New York and how it was difficult for me. So I'm, I'm curious how, like, having lived, you know, almost all your life in California and then moving mm-hmm. to New York, um, like, how is that transition for you? Gosh, I mean, I, it's been tough, but I feel like so lucky. This like goes against everything we're saying. I, can't, I feel like I can't complain yeah. because <laughs> I really do, though, feel very fortunate. I came here with a lot of friends. That was sort of a cop out that I had that a lot of people, when they talk about moving to a brand new city, one of the biggest struggles that they have is finding community. And I was very lucky that I sort of was cushioned with the big community here. Mm -hmm. That has been the biggest, I think that would have been the biggest hardship for me was to find my people. 
Um, I don't think that I have a hard time making friends, but I have a hard time making like good ones that I don't get annoyed with after a week and think like, oh, I regret making friends with this person. I didn't think it through. Um, So I do, I feel like I've really established a community of both old friends and new ones who are like, I was lucky enough to meet through my career and like just connections in that realm. And it's, I feel like I'm really surrounded by people who not only like are great and funny and awesome, but like get me and what I want to do and are also in that realm. So they've been great in terms of advice and mentorship and connections. Um, So I feel very cushioned in that sense. Everything else about New York right now kind of sucks. And I knew that that was what was going to happen. Like I knew months going into it that I was going to be moving at this time of year because that's when our podcast started. So I've known since like the summer, okay, enjoy these last couple months of sunlight and being able to wear short sleeves any time of the day because you are going to be shut in a tiny, tiny apartment. I knew I was going to live in a small apartment by myself. I knew that it was going to be gloomy. I know what seasonal depression is. I don't deny it anymore because I've lived in California. So I've always been like seasonal depression. What the fuck is that? My seasons, when I went to school in Northern California, like I thought that was seasonal depression because it would get like a little brisk yep. around the winter. Um, I So I was mentally prepared for it to be like, okay, I'm not going to love it until spring. Like, I really am not. It's not going to be the same. New York is, you live here, you know, New York is not New York really right now. Yep. But I figured that if I could get through this time, I can really get through anything. And like, I'm going to have such a greater appreciation for it. So because I set my expectations low, the transition has been okay. It's just, it's really just the weather. Like I'm terrified for the summer too. I don't do well in heat either, but the cold is okay. It's just the fact that like every time you have to leave your house, I'm not used to having to put on layers yeah, and like and gloves. fucking process just to go out for a walk. Whereas I really miss the simpler times of like, oh, I want to go for a walk. Great. Grab your headphones and let's go. Like I don't get to do that anymore. And I also, there's not much of a social life in the winter. Like yeah. people go out, but it's not really like you're walking around, having a picnic in the daytime. You're not going outside. And I love to be outside. So that has been difficult. But thankfully, I have a great community here. Um, I don't love my apartment, but I like it. And I love living alone, which is like people think people always say, how's the transition to living by yourself? Bitch, that wasn't even transition. That was just my my soul has been waiting for this for so long. All I've ever wanted in my life since I was a child is to like not be bothered for hours at a time. Like I just love to be alone. So I love living alone and I'll never go back. The transportation here, the fact that everything is so close and walkable, even though it's fucking freezing and it's not the easiest to walk right now. I, oh my God, the subway has changed my life. It has changed my entire quality of life. I would rather live here when it's freezing year round than go back to having to drive in LA. I truly, yeah. oh my God, it's revolutionary. And yeah, I mean, that, that those are my things. But um, overall, it's not amazing yet. It's just good. Yeah, no, I think that's that's awesome. And it's funny that you said, you know, you had a kind of I think you had very realistic expectations. I think part of the reason that I had a difficult transition was that my expectations were like, I'm going to be living the sex in the city life and like have like going out every weekend and making so many new friends, even though I had a core group of people from my college. And I don't even know what New York those girls were living in. <laughs> it's not the same. I have <laughs> no idea. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, 
like just how how do they and like not even uh, people talk about like Carrie Bradshaw like how did she afford that apartment and stuff and I'm like no 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 how do they have like a new boyfriend each week like that is what I want like to know because <laughs> well that you know what that I can help you with that's my lo- my area of expertise I can't help you with the apartment this place looks like a shithole I don't know how to decorate anything and I don't know fashion at all but the boyfriend thing is very easy you just get on hinge and you swipe yes on everybody and then you have a date every single night yeah it's but- fun. It's- yeah true I, I guess like I don't know just the yeah that's true they didn't have they didn't have hinge back in um in the late 90s yeah I don't know how they did it back then I you're not really going out and meeting like, people Charlotte overnight. was at her art gallery and she made eye contact with the investment banker who and I'm like I was at that I didn't went to an art gallery and I was trying to make eye contact <laughs> with everyone <laughs> exactly exactly but no it's not quite like that anymore that's true yeah but aside from that I think having a really good community is so important and at least I live in Austin now I I moved um during the pandemic but oh my god cool I love Austin it's it's so fun but when I came back to visit yeah it's it's like Neverland and and I also am like if it's 50 degrees I'm like oh my god I'm I'm dying um yeah (laughs) And then, but then I was back for New York in New York um, over the like Christmas break, and then January it was like twelve degrees. But it's funny because I was able to connect with um, some other TikTokers that I had previously recorded with, and and it, you guys do have like such a good community, and it's just funny because I'm like, wow, like everyone like knows each other and and connects and like hangs out, and I think having both that kind of like friendship side but also just peer support and especially when it comes to your career is is huge because I definitely did not have that granted I was in financial consulting so duh but (laughs) yeah I oh my god I can't imagine I'm so glad that I like moved here with the career that I moved here with I don't know how people come here and they work like a 6 a.m to 11 p.m. job and they don't have any sort of social connection. They're working from home on their computer. I have oh no idea. I don't know how people do it. I really don't. I have all the respect in the world for them. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, my advice to them is like come to Austin and you will make just as much money and doing some tech thing and then have a life. And <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty oh sick. God. But I do miss just being able to, like, walk around New York, go to a random place, like, just – just, I would just go on walks for hours in the city and, like, have no yeah. destination and just, like, end up in a cool place. And if I do that in Austin, people look at me like I'm fucking insane. <laughs> They're yeah. like, why are you okay. walking a mile to Trader Joe's? I'm like, it's a mile. <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, I walk – oh, my God, I walk everywhere. That's It's great. You don't have to get a gym membership here. You just walk. Exactly. And if you were to, it would be, like – nine hundred dollars a month <laughs> yeah exactly oh my god everything is so fucking expensive here too it's ridiculous yeah. but yeah it's I'm, I'm glad we're both in places that we love i'd love to be in austin eventually i really love it there i went for austin city limits i, I had genuinely one of the best begins of my life i love that city Did you go so this much. year i went this past year did you yeah see miley i saw miley i thought she did fantastic she was I loved so the whole thing good so good i thought that she genuinely like I hate when people, this is a total tangent, but I hate when people perform songs at music, but like a music festival is supposed to be a highlight reel, right? Yeah. If I want to see like your smaller songs or like your slow songs or just like the ones that only a true fan would that, know, like, I would out. go to the yeah. concert. I would, or yeah, the ones that are new, I'd go to see you touring the album by yourself. 
at a music festival, you only get like an hour and a half and you're headlining it. You're it's you doing the highlight reel of your career. Basically. I want to hear your big songs. I want to hear the hits. I want to hear the old stuff. I don't want to hear any of your slow, like things that I don't know. And Miley did a music festival, right? That's exactly how it's supposed to be. So she good. did party in the USA. She's doing the climb. Yeah. She's doing best of the world. All these songs from, there was so selfless of her. These are songs from an era that she, we know she does not, but that's she's so like, true. Oh, she Hannah Montana. And she's still performing this shit for us. Like I was so grateful. Oh my God. I had so the best good. Time. And her outfit. She just looked so sick. Oh. So Miley, oh if you're God. listening, just kidding. Come on the podcast. Oh my God, I love you. Um, amazing. Well, I always wrap up with some questions somewhat unrelated to the podcast, somewhat in line. First question is, what's one thing that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Oof. So they get real deep. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is pretty deep. I mean, I've honestly, I've gone through a lot of death like personal um, friends and family dying in short periods of time. And like, I think that, you know, while I would literally give anything in my life to not have had those happen, um, I know a lot of people my age who have never gone through death. And it's sort of the way that they describe it. Like, have you seen Harry Potter, right? Mm. There's like, they say that like, you know, you can tell uh, there are creatures that can tell when a person has seen a dead person. Like, yeah. they can tell when a gone through a death or lost a parent or something like that um and I can tell when other people like have or haven't like lost someone close to them or lost many people close to them and I think that those things like I don't know I really do feel like a lot stronger for having gone through those things at a young age like I feel like I've gone through a lot more death than most 23 year olds have and like I have seen the worst that life has to offer I feel like like I've seen literally the worst part of life and that's the worst that it gets so I feel so much like stronger and I have a lot of life experience compared to a lot of people my age. Again, I would never wish this upon anybody. And I don't think that you have to have gone through close family members or anybody dying at a young age to have life experience. But like, I think that I've seen the, like literally the worst that life has to offer. And therefore I'm able to appreciate so much more. And like, I know everything that happens to me. I'm like, I, I've been at rock bottom. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. No, that's so well said. And I completely agree. And it's like, even like I was going to joke when I first started chatting with you, just like how you come off so mature. And then I was like, maybe it's the drama, but like it is, the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so true when, when you go through things and like, I'm similar where I've unfortunately had way, like seen way too much death for someone who's 26. And it's like, just the person who I was before that happened is completely different than the person who I am now and completely different. And it just completely changes your, what you value, your trajectory in life mm -hmm. and just a lot of things. And yeah, exactly. Like I, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but it's definitely made me become stronger and like, and also just know how to empathize with people too. Absolutely. And also having gone through like these, most of these things happened to me during the pandemic year, which I think if you haven't gone through a death, if you've lived through the pandemic in your twenties or teens, I think that you've gone through a death in itself because it's a massive trauma event. Not it's aside from all the people who actually did die. You've, you've said rest in peace to a part of your uh, youth yeah. that you'll never get. Back. And I think that having gone through that, plus the personal deaths that I suffered, like I don't know. I'm a different looking back at before this, before 2020, 
I do not recognize that person. I'm not the same. I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm cynical, but like I'm hardened to the realities of the world. And like, I'm more better prepared to take on whatever comes next in my life. And like things that I think would be a really big deal to me then or really bad problems or things that I think my friends would struggle with, such as like, I don't know, like I have a million people watching me now every day. And that's something that's like a lot of pressure and a lot of worry about like, oh my God, if I were to say something wrong, get canceled, whatever. Life ending things, things that would feel life ending to me a year ago or things that my friends would feel are life ending. Yeah. I do not feel that any of that is like life ending. Like I, I don't, um, the things that are, that should scare me don't anymore. And I think that it's sort of a weird, like, you're so lucky if you've never gone through what I've gone through, but like you, you, I really do feel like better prepared for this type of career because I've nothing that the internet says about me or does to me could ever be worse than the things that I've seen. That's so true. It's like, you're literally growing thick skin. Exactly. Next question. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? I'm mon- my mantra is say what you mean and mean what you say. There are definitely a couple others. There's a great, my co-host for my podcast said something so wise the other day. And I always tell everybody now, which is like something about how um, the mean comments or like whatever the words that people say about you don't get to you unless you believe them, which I also liked, but say what you mean and mean what you say is something that I have to remind everybody that watches my videos all the time because I think it just is sort of the quote at the center of everything I do which is like I don't I do not apologize for anything I say because a I don't shout bigotry yeah I don't say anything that ever could be considered hatred or like like truly wrong everything I'm saying is completely surface level opinions that should not affect anybody else and therefore I mean all of them And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking like, you don't mean that, which is absolutely not true. And it kind of invalidates everything that I stand for. So I really do live by that mantra. Everything I say on my TikTok, maybe there are things that I shouldn't say because they're mean. And that for like, when I say them, I'll apologize for the fact that I say them, but I will never take back what I say. Like, I mean everything I say. Sometimes I shouldn't say it, but I mean it. And then the other thing that my co-host said, I need to live by that or else the comments start to get to me. Like, and sometimes I wonder why certain mean comments don't really get to me. And I'm like, oh, because I just don't, agree with it like if somebody were to say like you're not funny I'm like well okay a million other people think so so like why would that comment bother me like I don't believe you yeah you know or like you're I don't know other other shit like that like you're not you're you're ugly I'm like okay but like I don't believe you you know what I mean like I have a lot of proof that says otherwise so I that comment would never get to me and I see a lot of other tiktokers I wish live by this mantra because they feel the need to defend themselves against a lot of the things that people say like people will comment you're a bigot. You said something racist when it's like they didn't, but then they have to go and defend it. And I'm like, it's only if you believe that you, yeah. you're only bothered by this because you believe that they're right. If you don't believe it, don't acknowledge it. And then yeah. it's fine. You know what I mean? No, that's everything a good point. that just falls to the wayside when you just stop believing it. No, I love that. And it's it's a good way to, I think, approach, especially like the career you're in and like not let that one negative comment get to you, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. What do you love most about yourself? that's hard because there's so much to love. Um, No, I I love that I'm like, I don't know. I love that I'm opinionated. I love that I'm confident. I've never really struggled with confidence. I can say that. Like I'm very blessed. I was never like really shy and I haven't had a hard time with other people. Now I have my insecurities and my anxieties like everybody else. But like I, like my mom was saying on the phone, my mom loves to read my 
TikTok comments and she saw this comment that somebody left about like, what did your mom do to like make you so confident? She sent that to me. She was like, what did you, what did I do? Like, don't you think like, isn't it amazing? And she was like, but really like you have been this, I don't know how you are this way. Cause she is not, but she was like, you've been very, you have not, you've not been able to be embarrassed ever in your life. Like you came out of the womb and you never got embarrassed or humiliated by anything. You're very confident. So that I feel like gifted by that. I think that that's like amazing that I, I don't like care what people think. I don't, I don't worry about people not liking me. I don't worry about not saying the right things or not being able to articulate my thoughts. Like that's always a, I think that's a very important gift that I'm fortunate to have is I don't struggle to like speak my mind. Definitely. And I think it's so rare now too. Like I, I mean, this is just a guess, but because of like the negative parts of social media and things like that, I think that's prohibited people from, even if they had that confidence, like that confidence could have dwindled over time because they had to like censor themselves or, you know, they let a bad comment get to them. So it's awesome that, you know, you've been able to maintain that. And it's definitely why, why you're like being so successful at what you're doing. I think so. I think so. It's definitely waxed and waned or if that's the correct term. It's gone. It's come in waves. I mean, I've, there were times like, I I remember a guy said to me, like when I was first starting the TikTok thing, right after I graduated, he was like, this is pretty embarrassing. Like, how are you not embarrassed? And when he said that, because I kind of respected this guy and like liked him, that made me kind of crawl into a shell. For one of the first times in my life, I was very like embarrassed. And I, I just remember like thinking, you know, oh my God. My mom still says, I remember the first time I ever saw you get embarrassed. And I was so upset because these girls, like when you were little made you feel insecure or something like I it's, there have been a couple times in my life that I've been truly, truly embarrassed. But, um, I, you have to like, why is my email opening? I'm sorry. I'm screwing up the whole thing. Um, you have to just get back on the horse as soon as you fall off or else you make a habit of it. Right. So like, as soon as somebody says something that embarrasses you or makes you self-conscious, self-conscious, like you have to keep doing whatever you are doing or else you will literally make a habit of not doing it. And that's when you start developing anxiety and being humiliated about things, you know? Definitely. So last question, which is the name of the podcast. Mm -hmm. How do you find solace in New York City? Gosh, I mean, I, you, I have to like truly remember like what makes the city good and like true true like, you're there you're well. there in winter <laughs> I'm there in winter it's difficult but like I do every time I'm walking this sounds so gross and cliche but like whenever I see like rats in the street it's like that song good morning Baltimore you know what I mean I see the rats in the street I see like I don't know I kind of like it doesn't that that's the thing that a lot of people say like okay and then I have to go sit in Central Park and remind myself that there's beauty in this city for me when I see that kind of thing or when I see like, you know, the subway is late and everyone in this, the the train station is like upset about the, the train and like talking with each other about why it's late. Like that sort of camaraderie and stuff about New York and like the grossness of New York and everybody jumps when they see the rat. It's like, I love that this is just like, this is what it is. I saw a, con- a cockroach in my apartment for the first time. It was genuinely the wor- one of the worst experiences of my life, but I everyone who was commenting was like, welcome to New York. Like, this is it. Like you're, this is just what's going to happen. And I was like, I like that. There's just this understanding of like, not only is this a beautiful place, you know, the fucking subway and the public parks. Like, of course I find solace in that. Of course I love to walk around and I feel peace and calm in that. But also like the fact that there are so many downsides to this city, but we all just agree. Yeah. Like we all just deal with it together. 
That's what I like about it. I don't like that there's cockroaches or rats, but I like that we're all just like, yep, that's what it is. Let's all just have fun with it. Like, yep, that's cool to me. And like laughs it off. No, it's, it's so true. It's like, I remember when I was visiting my sister and, and she had a cockroach in her bathroom and I had to like, and I was like, ah, okay. And like, just like shove like a piece of toilet paper in like the hole in the wall. And it was like, ah, New York, you know, <laughs> it's what you have to do. And it's, it's just something, it's like a conversation starter and everybody here just gets it. It's like an unspoken camaraderie that we all have. And even like being new, I don't want to say we, I'm not a New Yorker yet, you know, but like, I do feel like I was welcomed into a community and the way that I started to feel like I was part of it was not when I like saw the beautiful parts of this city, but when I started to struggle with like the weather and with the train stations and which, and with the rats and the cockroaches, that's when I started to feel like, okay, I'm part of this now I'm in it. Like, I'm not just vacationing anymore. I have to sit here and live with this stuff. And I take solace in the community of that, you know? So well said. Talia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone follow you, listen to your podcast, um, just learn more about you, plug everything? Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm a big talker, so, you know, feel free to cut out anything I've said. I I I love it. I'm glad you had fun. I loved it. Um, Okay, where can you follow me? So I have this new podcast. It's coming out tomorrow, Thursday, February 10th. Um, And it'll be out every single Thursday after that. So it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's called Bad Vibes. You can search Betches, Bad Vibes. It's also in, it's linked everywhere on my social media. Everywhere, I'm just Talia Lickstein. That's my name. Um, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. And I have that podcast linked everywhere. So that would mean a lot to me if you want to listen to it. But yeah, that's it. Amazing. Well, thanks again. And bye, everyone.